Welcome to the Digital Marketing Insights Podcast, brought to you by Brightside Digital. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to say I'm here today with Mike Taylor, a digital marketing manager. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, very good, buddy. Uh, first of all, Mike, we always start the same. Can you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I'm Mike, and I am the digital marketing manager for Fitzgerald's Menswear and their subsidiaries, which is a very fancy term, isn't it, uh, in the southeast of Ireland. Brilliant. And Mike, tell us a little bit more about your biggest strengths and how you work with your team there. Um, well, mostly the team is just me, you know, <laughs> jack of all trades, master of none. But I handle all the digital marketing needs for Fitzgerald's and I'm slowly kind of moving into the, the average everyday marketing, the brick and mortar marketing as well for them. Brilliant. So some more traditional media as well as your kind of digital marketing. Yes. Yeah. It, it two prong attack, if you will. Yeah. And that's brilliant. The fact that you do a lot of the content and strategies yourself, do you outsource anything to kind of freelancers or agencies for, for little ad hoc work as well? Um, not at the moment, but I will be looking into using Fiverr and sites like that a bit just for a bit of video work and small bits that we need. It's just time management more than anything else in that regard. Of course, of course. And Mike, in terms of your skill set, what would you say is your biggest strength in digital? Um, I came from a background I don't have a degree in digital marketing at all. Um, when I went to college, I studied multimedia application development. And when I left college, I worked as a web developer. And I kind of just fell into digital marketing because I was working in an agency and there was an opening and I thought, hmm, let me go down this road and see what it's all about and become valuable to the company in that kind of a way. So I thought it would be like a 50-50 bit. And then I ended up just headfirst in digital marketing. So my strengths come from that point of view. I feel I'm a bit more analytical in that sense. And I kind of really drive down into the analytics of, of e-commerce. Yeah. And so obviously you do every area, so it's not really, I can focus too much on one, but do you find your best results are in paid or are you quite strong at social or do you? I, I, I find my, yeah, sorry. I find my best results are in paid so PPC and especially um, social PPC, I feel that's that's definitely where my strengths are. Yeah. And 
obviously it's definitely the quickest way to scale up traffic to a site. Do you find, especially social PPC, which we've discussed a couple of times on the show, obviously the big kicker in that is creating the content. Do you create a lot of that content or do you have like a, a stock of loads of imagery and video to put your messages on? How do you go about creating ads from that point of view? Yeah, so we create a lot of our content um, because we're a, a menswear and clothing shops. We we can't necessarily rely on anyone else to do this for us because if we hire in people, by the time that that gets all done, those items of clothing are gone. Yeah. So we just have to do it on the fly and do it as it comes in. And then me and the e-commerce manager, we, you know, we'll sit down and we'll review what we think stock-wise people will like, or we'll have a look at the numbers from the brick and mortar sh- stores, see what's selling there, and then do a bit of testing to see if it will also sell online. Yeah. I, I actually experienced a similar kind of challenge in one of my previous roles uh, in active where where usually the the highest selling items were kind of black leggings or shorts or t-shirts and stuff like that because they're neutral colors normally yeah. your, your blacks whites blues uh your kind of common colors but usually from a content and imagery po- uh, point of view the ones that get the most engagement would be something that's you know floral or uh camouflage colorful. yeah colorful or so, something designs and patterns that are quite unique and it was always a challenge in what you're going to invest photography wise because like you say you would do that the the product would boom and then you sold out and usually if it's anything like most warehouse and suppliers and clothing that season's gone and more than likely it doesn't come back um quite quickly so it's hard to restock so I can see the challenge in that there. Does that influence how you guys go about getting that photography or, or, or doing that content? You mentioned the stock levels and stuff like that because that was part of the strategy we had. Yeah, we will do the same. You know, we have the the staples that kind of don't change year to year, but then you don't really need to sell those because everybody's going to want them year on, year out. So you kind of, what you want to showcase is one or two items that you think define the season. So, you know, spring, summer's coming up. This season is more about pastels. So we're kind of trying to show one or two pastel pieces that kind of will showcase everything we have in the stores. So you have to look at the kind of the stock levels there and go, all right, if we focus on this brand and this item, how much do we have? Okay, we have enough. Is it possible if this sells out, can we get more in? And what's the cost of getting more in from the suppliers? So it's a, it's a juggling game of, of that I can imagine. And now that you've kind of mentioned the traditional marketing sense as well, I'm guessing you probably have a couple of stores um, down south. Do you find 
logistically, there's challenges in trying to mark uh, market from a digital and then a traditional point of view. Do you, um, can you give examples of some of that? Yeah, um, we have 12 stores overall and they're, you know, as I was saying, we have different subsidiaries, so they cater for different price points and different people. So it's trying to keep those separate, but at the same time, trying to tie them all in with each other, because if somebody outgrows one area, you kind of want to push them into the different stores without being too heavy handed with it. So with our traditional kind of marketing, what I kind of try to focus on as you would with a website is just the customer experience, trying to improve that and then having different sales online and offline and then trying to target different customers online and offline. I find that the people buying online for us aren't necessarily the same people buying in the stores. So it's what are they looking for? What are they buying? How are they buying it? And what are they interested in? And then the marketing for them would be not necessarily in your face marketing, but sniping from the side for a lack of better terms. So selling them without selling them. I can see there's so many challenges in that already. It's always hard when the online presence is a different audience to the the brick and mortar presence. And Mike, in terms of the softwares you use to assist with your digital marketing, is there any that you would go to, anything that you could recommend to our listeners? Um, We use Hootsuite a lot for scheduling. I find that very helpful versus the scheduler in Facebook. I just think Hootsuite has a bit more options and it helps to decipher the best times to post, which is always helpful in trying to expand on your audience. And then the only other tool really that we use is Facebook Meta Business Suite. I shall say the the new name. New Uh, rebrand. Don't worry. The the (laughs) rebrand. And I find the analytics on that to be quite good. And you can really kind of drill down into your audience using Meta. Yeah. And out of interest, would you use Meta to kind of input the actual store locations and try and uh, advertise around the a mile radius of the location or something like that. Is that part of your? Yes. Yes. So we have kind of local targeting and advertising as well, which would be just in the surrounding areas of each location. Yeah. And Hootsuite, obviously you use it for scheduling. What platforms do you have active at the moment, Mike? At the moment, we have Facebook and Instagram, and that's where we are most active. Um, I know TikTok is getting bigger and bigger. I just haven't been able to decide or discern if it's going to be useful for us yet. I'm a huge advocate for TikTok at the moment, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I am, yeah, because the hardest thing for 
businesses or marketers, I suppose, with TikTok is creating video. We're yeah. all in our safe spaces in terms of imagery and writing a bit of content and doing an overlay or using uh, photography images of product and then, you know, putting them in carousels and, and creative. But then as soon as you're faced with the video equivalent, it, it makes it a lot harder. Um, but I'll tell you what would be the biggest selling point in, in my research, which I've recently said, Mike, and I haven't mentioned this on the show before, so I think it would be quite insightful. And it probably the maddest comparison, but uh, Jennifer Lopez has 45 million followers on Twitter. Yeah. And she also has only three to four million on TikTok when they did this study. And she put up the exact same video. Take in mind, there's no paid or sponsor or anything behind it. But she put up the exact same video. And for her 45 million followers on Twitter, I think she had about 5 million views of the video. So take in mind, that's a rough estimate of the, the Twitter value. So 45 million, 5 million views of the video. Whereas her 4 million followers on TikTok, when she put up the exact same video, it got nine, uh, sorry, 72 million views. Okay. So I know that's a mad comparison because it's very difficult to compare flat platforms against it. But with Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you do need everything's designed now to put paid spend behind it, even if you just do a normal post on on your yeah. on your wall or something it the first thing it asks you is how much you're going to put behind it as a business yeah. do you want to boost this post <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and so it, the whole mechanics is we will give you more reach and more um, presence if only if you put this boost on whereas tiktok and linkedin coincidentally are probably the only two platforms where you can still create organic content and it goes very viral without becoming a viral video, if you know what I mean, like those kind of iconic things that you see on TV and YouTube and stuff. So I, I'm I'm an advocate of TikTok. I know how difficult it is for, for brands. But I, I think for what you guys do, consider it. If you can work out ways, there's ways of doing it without having a model put on clothes and walking around the place. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, the show's out there. If anyone can help Mike when they're listening to this uh, in terms of content ideas, I'm sure you'd appreciate it. I would appreciate any help with TikTok if that's going to be the future. And I, I, know, I know Instagram is even changing to be more video focused versus the still images. So one is only going to help the other coming down the line. Yeah. And really, in this day and age with businesses, we all know as marketers, it's best to have unique content for all the different platforms and maybe have different voices or ways of presenting yourself on each platform. But it's hard to do, especially if you're in your situation, Mike, where you're very much a, a one man team with certain external assets to you, but you can't then come up with different posts for all your different accounts all the time, because that's it's impractical use of your time. Um, it will take too long. And by the time I get it all done, I have to move on and restart it again kind of thing. Exactly. So to create reels for Instagram and then 
indirectly put out to TikTok could be the play. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought I'd leave that little stat with you with Jay yeah, Lowe. It's a great little nugget. I, I didn't think I'd be reading up about J-Lo before this show today, but <laughs> it happens, it's worked out. Um, and Mike, in terms of the digital industry from a wider point of view, is there anything that really excites you coming down the line or anything you can see that might benefit yourself or the business or industry? Um, I think social commerce is going to be a very big thing. So I know, as we're already talking about, like TikTok is now partnering with Shopify to make shopping more seamless. And Instagram is spending tons of money on, on their shopping as well to make that more seamless. Um, YouTube, I think, is trying to enhance their videos with shoppable tags. So I think the last two or three years has really taught us that the future is online, especially when it comes with how people are shopping. And I think that is going to be the next big thing and where people should focus their attentions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think that's excellent insight and would completely echo that. That's the next uh, logical point for the the big social media platforms is to try and e integrate e-commerce within their platforms a lot more than they have. Um, I, I'm assuming, do, do you already have kind of your Instagram shop and stuff set up so there is at least the links coming through for purchasing? Mm -hmm. We don't at the moment. Uh, we're in the process of moving e-commerce platforms to Shopify um, to be more e-commerce yeah. focused. The, and the sync will be a lot easier once you do that. Yes, as well. yeah. And just, just having that complete focus on e-commerce yeah. will just make everything better. So, you know... Shopify have really kind of stepped up their game as well with how they're linking with third parties to make everything easier and not an uphill battle to sell something. Yeah. I used to, um, many moons ago, swear by 460 uh, for, for uh, the activewear company I was working for because it, we could then generate unique hashtags on each page and and get unique user generated content of people putting on that kind of clothing see the difference is um you'd have to do your research into your audiences because as a men's um wear brands we tend to be less active in in posting our clothing and outfits compared to female audiences it's just yeah. uh, it's, it's statistically the case it's not no yeah it, it is yeah, you can see it even with the way people engage, um, there's a lot more engagement on female-focused brands versus men. And that's just the way it is, yeah. really. Yeah, which means you have to be extra creative, Mike, to get those engagement scores higher. Exactly. And I, I guess another kind of focus or a trend would be 
how people are searching for clothing now um, and the way that they use Google search, I, f I find that people will look at two or three sites and then take the name of the product and basically type that in and then follow it with cheapest or Ireland or yeah. local. And then it's trying to get your Google shopping and your rankings to be first and foremost. That's right. That's right. And Mike, to bring it back to you for a second, is there any particular areas you're looking to upskill yourself in terms of uh, a marketer? Is there any areas that you think, oh, I'd love to learn more about that or try that? Yeah, um, engagement is one area that I try want to, I want to learn more about and focus my attention. So I think personalization is going to play a big role this year. And it's trying to get the right product in front of the right person, not only so that they buy it, but they also interact with it, that they also share it with their friends and ask them their opinions. And just so that they get a sense of the brand, even if you don't sell something today, if you make a lasting impression, they're more likely to come back to you versus going to a competitor. Completely. So you're talking kind of customer in-store experience as well as social experience and interaction. Yes. Yeah. So really trying to tailor their social experience so that it kind of matches in an in-store experience is what I'm attempting to learn more about and delve into. Brilliant. And lastly, Mike, on the show, we always ask everyone the same question. You might have heard it before. If there was one personality trait that you have yourself that you think would benefit others or benefit the world in general, what would your personality trait that you'd have that you could pass on? Um, yeah, I've heard the podcast and I've heard a few answers and I'm just like, would that be my answer or how do I, how do I bottle myself up? And <laughs> I think it's being curious and staying inquisitive um, one of the best things I like about digital marketing is that it's not a science, it's an art form. And that's one of the things I hate the most about digital marketing is that it's, <laughs> it's an art form and not a science. So it can work one day and it doesn't work the next. Yeah. But it's just about being staying curious and being inquisitive and querying why it works versus more so than why it doesn't work. And then trying to recapture that magic into an algorithm. Yeah, I, I agree. You have to be curious and creative to stay relevant always. Everything, a, a new technology comes in and it wipes us all out, a lot of our go-to methods. So um, yeah, really, really good answer. Yeah, you know, like bam, TikTok comes along, and then we all have to change to to the, the the way that people are viewing TikTok, and then Facebook comes along and changes something, or Apple changes privacy settings, which is great, but is also not great for us. That's it, Mike. We're out of time, but thank you so much for being this, on this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you liked what Mike said, and sure to reach out to him on LinkedIn. 
Perfect. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Thank you.